This day, Lou would be disinherited for the eleventh time, and it would take him perhaps six months of impeccable behavior to regain the promise of a share in the estate, to say nothing of the daybed in the living room for Em and himself. "'Boy!' called Gramps. "'Coming, sir!' Lou hurried back into the living room and handed Gramps his will. "'Pen!' said Gramps. He was instantly offered eleven pens, one from each couple. "'Not that leaky thing!' he said, brushing Lou's pen aside. "'Ah, there's a nice one. Good boy, Willie.' He accepted Willie's pin. This was the tip they had been waiting for. Willie, then, Lou's father, was the new favorite. Willie, who looked almost as young as Lou, though he was 142, did a poor job of concealing his pleasure. He glanced shyly at the daybed, which would become his, and from which Lou and Emerald would have to move back into the hall back to the worst spot of all by the bathroom door. Gramps missed none of the high drama he had authored and gave his own familiar role everything he had, frowning and running his finger along each line as though he were seeing the will for the first time. He read aloud in a deep, portentous monotone like a bass note on a cathedral organ. I, Harold D. Ford, residing in Building 257 of Alden Village, New York City, Connecticut, do hereby make, publish, and declare this to be my last will and testament revoking any and all former wills and codiciles by me at any time heretofore made. He blew his nose importantly and went on, not missing a word and repeating many for emphasis, repeating in particular his ever more elaborate specifications for a funeral. At the end of these specifications, Gramp was so choked with emotion that Lou thought he might have forgotten why he'd brought out the will in the first place. But Gramps heroically brought his powerful emotions under control and— after erasing for a full minute, began to write and speak at the same time. Lou could have spoken his lines for him. He'd heard them so often. I have had many heartbreaks ere leaving this veil of tears for a better land, Gramps said and wrote. But the deepest hurt of all has been dealt me by. He looked around the group, trying to remember who the malefactor was. Everyone looked helpful at Lou, who held up his hand resignedly. Gramps nodded, remembering, and completed the sentence. My great-grandson, Louis J. Ford. Grandson, sir, said Lou. Don't quibble. You're in deep enough now, young man, said Gramps, but he made the change. And from there he went without misstep through the phrasing of the disinheritance, causes for which were disrespectfulness and quibbling. In the paragraph following, the paragraph that had belonged to everyone in the room at one time or another, Lou's name was scratched out and Willie substituted his heir to the apartment and to, the biggest plum of all, the double bed in the private room. So, said Gramps, beaming, he erased the date at the foot of the will and substituted a new one, including the time of day. Well, time to watch the McGarvey family. The McGarvey family was a television serial that Gramps had been following since he was sixty, or for a total of one hundred twelve years. I can't wait to see what's going to happen next, he said. Lou detached himself from the group and lay down on his bed of pain by the bathroom door, wishing Em would join him. He wondered where she was. He dozed for a few moments until he was disturbed by someone stepping over him to get into the bathroom. A moment later, he heard a faint gurgling sound as though something were being poured down the washbasin drain. Suddenly it entered his mind that Em had cracked up. She was in there doing something drastic about Gramps. Em, he whispered through the panel. There was no reply, and Lou pressed against the door.
The worn lock whose bolt barely engaged its socket held for a second and then let the door swing inward. Morty! gasped Lou. Lou's great-grandnephew Mortimer, who had just married and brought his wife home to the Ford Menage, looked at Lou with consternation and surprise. Morty kicked the door shut, but not before Lou had glimpsed what was in his hand. Gramps' enormous economy-sized bottle of anti-garrison, which had apparently been half-emptied and which Morty was refilling with tap water. A moment later, Morty came out glaring defiantly at Lou and brushed past him wordlessly to rejoin his pretty bride. Shocked, Lou didn't know what to do. He couldn't let Gramps take the mouse-trapped anti-garrison. But if he warned Gramps about it, Gramps would certainly make life in the apartment, which was merely insufferable now, harrowing. Lou glanced into the living room and saw that the Fords, emeralds among them, were momentarily at rest, relishing the botches that the McGarveys had made of their lives. Stealthily, he went into the bathroom, locked the door as well as he could, and began to pour the contents of Gramps.